everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Craig, you're yawning in my intro, brother. Sorry, bro. I'm stretching. I'm stretching. Yeah. I got a big nitro here. You ever drink these things, Peter? No. Ooh, no. boy. Those lots, are good, bro. Lots. The cold brew? Mm-hmm. Cold it's brew. nitro. I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds fast. It sounds like you'd go really fast. Yeah, I'm ready to go like, fast. Remember, remember when you had nitrous in your uh, in your Trans Am in high school? <laughs> I did not. You must be getting me confused with your Italian friend from New Jersey. I didn't have a Trans Am. I wanted a Trans Am. Did you really? I wanted a Mustang Five O, man. I like oh, those cars. Mustangs. We could talk about cars for a long time. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about something more relevant. Remember when I met you, though, and you had a little sports car you had to, like, peel yourself into? <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? You look like Big Bird driving that thing. And then that same week I was in that car, I went to go to a continuous education event. I went to a hotel in Fort Lauderdale. I don't know if I told you the story, but the valets, I got out of my little, my little Porsche, and the valet started laughing. And I'm like, what's so funny? He's like, no, sir, I'm so sorry. I'm like, well, just tell me. I'm going into a, you know, a meeting and do I have like a tomato on my face or yeah. something? He's like, no, no, no. Yeah, I was like, what do I have? Like, I just tell me. I'm not upset. He's like, no, I just didn't expect someone like your height to get out of that little car. I'm like, goddamn, I'm selling this thing right now. <laughs> well, that's around the time you met me. And then it was like, you're now your only truck, truck only. <laughs> truck only. Well, you know, we're not here to talk about sports cars and trucks. What I've been getting a lot from people and i think we get this a lot in mastermind and our mind networks a lot is is talking about associates and here are the concepts around them when do i hire my first uh when's the right time um how do i train them how do i find them how do i retain them you know long term how do i make them happy and there's a lot, and this potentially could be as you and I kind of unwrapped even this those four those four topics I just uh, discussed. It could be a multi multi pod, um, multi pod because there's a lot there's a lot to unwrap there. Um, so, yeah, any any opening kind of comments on that? Don't jump into the don't jump into the questions yet. But any <clears throat> any comments on on some of your intel or your dialogue that you have with with dentists that are, that are in that land of wanting an associate or maybe even associates wanting to find the right dentist. That's another, that's another uh, uh, bullet point. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's, we tend to, those in the industry tend to look at it a little bit siloed um, and not holistically because all associates and all practices are not the same. So I think one thing globally, I, I just think, no, it's not just a duh. I think it's, if you have, if you're an associate and you have spent a good deal of time educating yourself and learning different types of procedures, and you know going through co- courses like Coice or Dawson or Spear and stuff like that, by by virtue of the dyna- the, the way you're going to practice, you need to find a practice that is in an affluent area. In you need you need to partner with a practice that can actually source the patients that are eligible for the types of treatment you wish to provide. And I don't think that goes into consideration as much as it should. So mm-hmm. an associate will be like, Oh, I can get 38% at this practice. Mm-hmm. And then, another, you know, and, but the practice is in a, you know, a rural area, maybe in a non-affluent area and they get like five new patients per month. And the highest producing associate in that practice is doing 400 grand versus 
I can get 30% and work in a metro area and the doctors are doing $2 million in collections there. So I think, I think there's a lot that goes into the fit between because dentistry for those that don't see it at our at our level and have the insight into the profession we tend to think it's all the same like every practice is atlanta dental spa or like fort bend dental or whatever they're Mm -hmm. all very different and i think that those that are not as into the industry as we are tend to oversimplify it that's all you know you have good experience there with someone who actually left you thinking it would be greener pastures because they were looking at the the traction of oh it's a higher percent or yeah it wasn't even a higher percent it was just it was a higher percentage okay it was like three or four points higher and so that's what you're saying is that look all things are not just binary in terms of oh i get 35 percent here and 33 percent here you have to look at the context of which you're being hired right so look at the fee schedule the amount of work available all those things do you have a treatment do you have a treatment coordinator yeah that is because because like yeah uh, do you have it? Do you have two assistants? Do you have fiber optic cam pieces? Do you have the materials? Do you have a scanner? What's the Invisalign fee? So yeah. imagine a doctor shopping what's your practice. What's the new patient load like, right? What's right, but imagine what's the like, culture. What's the imagine if they work in your practice and your you know or you know yours or my practice are Invisalign fees you know eleven hundred bucks, but at the practice down the road it's nineteen hundred bucks. Mm. So what's your percentage of your thirty two versus thirty five versus forty percent if your Invisalign lab bill is eleven hundred to two thousand? Right. I mean, same these are with, questions. Same with fees too, Craig. All of it, right. yeah. Right. Your like crown fee, eight hundred dollars. Right. 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 So yeah, right. I'll pay you forty five percent, but the crown fees are all insurance. It's all nine hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars. You won't have a treatment coordinator. Mm-hmm. These are really, and I just I see. So we so- jumped into it as an associate looking for a practice, right? Meaning yeah. we're looking at it from the associate side. We're, uh, I'm also wanting to address it from, and I think we can put a pin in that, maybe circle back to that. I'm sure. also wanting to address it mainly from the dentist who is an owner looking to expand. Maybe let's let's talk about the solopreneur dentist mm-hmm. uh, who is looking to, who's become too busy, who has capacity to expand the practice, whether in their own organization, I'm sorry, with their own footprint. And, um, you know, they're either too busy and they, or they'd like to expand. So when is the right time for yeah. you? Like, let's say you were in that scenario. Let's, let's rewind the clock on Craig Spodak. When, when, was, when did you know or feel it was the right time to hire? And, and probably, let's also pause here, Craig. You've probably hired, how many, how many just so we have some, some chops to be able to, oh, be able to talk about, right? So how oh many associates have God. you hired? Oh, my God. I'd guess. Well, it can't be too many or else that won't have been successful. Well, no, you got to kiss a lot of frogs and life changes and one got married. No, I mean, listen, I had two associates leave on the same month of the same year. One moved to Austin and one got married and moved to Chicago. So, I mean, that's just life happens too. Um, Yeah. So, so probably what more than 10? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Okay. All right. Oh my uh, God, Peter. No, no. I'm, being, I'm being bombastic on the Bulletproof podcast. Okay. Tell so me, t- me give me another number. number. Give me another number. Uh, I just want to see how 20. Chris? No, no, no. I'm More thinking 30, 40. Jeez. Hey, but I have a scientific approach, so I don't have to actually have experience hiring people because I figured out the math behind hiring people. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I'm kidding. I'm kidding with you. That was a joke. I was trying to be funny. This is a, this is a, uh, I was joking where you have me beat. I know you're kidding. 
there, dude. Yeah. Where you've had me beat. For sure. sure. Um, so, and, you know, and it's, so anyway, the point is, I bet. Yeah, I'd say 20. 20 feels good. I'm just trying to do the mental math. And we're in the neighborhood of all of hiring probably over our our career, probably 35 plus associates. Let's just call it that. Yeah, let's call it that. Um, So all that conversation was just to establish that we have the jobs to be able to the, 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 uh, the, uh, cause jobs are a big thing. These uh, for you, they are maybe for other people. They're not, they are for me because yeah, like, for me, they how are do too. you do if you haven't done, how do you tell if you haven't done how, how, well, you can do it. You just, you I just mean, I do guess it. You can. I mean, look, the adage is like, well, Tiger Woods coach coaches him and, and Tiger Woods coach never won the masters. Yeah, but he's coached several people to win the Masters. I get it. I know where you go. Right. Let's move. I'm just saying it's okay. Yeah. Move on, right? Yep. So, Craig, when did you? Of all those times, when did you decide? You know what? We need it. We need the first associate, and then we need another associate. What was your? What was your? Was it a gut feeling? Was it? Was it numbers based? Was it Erica coming to you saying we needed help more help doc? What was it? So, um, let me just kind of describe how I work. And it's similar to you, Peter, you know, we're, we're very similar people. We are the types of people that um, we're not, we, we, we value speed of execution and we don't mind making mistakes. I had a very clear, concise idea of what I wanted to accomplish. So I was in dental school doodling like a, a during lab about a multi-doctor practice. I was dreaming, daydreaming about it. It's what I really wanted. Here and I wanted vision, that. folks. Here comes the I'm vision. sorry, but it's true. It's true. So I had this whole thing, the center for this and that. I would like just kind of fantasize about it, what it would be because I love being around people. I love being around people. So a day for me being around three or four people is not as exciting as a day for me being around 20, 30, 40 people. So I hired the associate the minute I possibly could. And the the idea that I had was I was going to have this person be busy and I was not going to be busy. So I was going to take the work out of my schedule and give yep. it to this person. Which if you ask many people, that's a crazy thing to do. Most people would say, no, you got to wait to your book X numbers of days or weeks or this or that. I didn't, I wanted to get to this vision. I wanted to get to this place in my head. Your own self, your vision was so important that you were sacrificing the day to day. Yeah, I would make, right. I'm willing to make less money to get to where I want to go than make more money and not be where I want to go. And that is honestly why I see so many associateships fail is because the lead doc, the solopreneur is not willing to give up some of those cherry cases, you know, the eight minute veneer case that just came in. Yeah. Before. I'll take that. I'll no, take that you're one. Gonna do, I know that's you're your aunt, but I'll take it. You brought you're your own do, aunt into the practice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're going to do composites, night guard adjustments, maybe some Invisalign, but you know, the, the, the heavy duty crown and bridge. Yeah. That's, that's, that's mine. And so and that's what I hear, by the way, when associates come in, they'll ask the other doctors like, Hey, does Dr. Craig like uh, take some of the bigger cases for me? Like they're like, never, never. That was like the big fear of one that was, you know, because she had worked for some like iconic. All right, so yours venture. is more. Yours was more of a you wanted it to create a bigger ecosystem. Yeah, and you're willing to uh, sacrifice to get there. Meaning, yes, sacrifice yes. your own hand, your own uh, your own dentistry with your own hands to get there. Okay, stop what you're doing. The Bulletproof Summit is coming at you June 3rd and 4th at the Grand Hyatt in Nashville. The Grand Hyatt is located in the Gulch, which as most of you know is the best area of Nash Vegas. 
So we'll be featuring new, never done before bulletproof tracks for doctors, team, and hygienists. There's going to be some VIP tickets available, but book by May 2nd and you can receive some group discounts for your team. Prices will also go up for the last 50 tickets, and tickets are already half gone for this event and it will sell out like all previous years. This is the biggest no-brainer in dentistry. If you want to elevate yourself, your team, and your practice, check it out. BulletproofSummit.com. We'll see you there. I'm okay. curious about you. When did you grab your, when did you decide it was your first associate? So I, I contend, you know, and, and Marvin Berlin has been on our podcast a couple of times, spoken to our mastermind. You know, he opened my eyes up to kind of when, and it, and it was, I contend that if you're solidly booked out as a doctor, between two to four weeks out that you have the ability to bring on an associate. Now here's, here's where I'm going to throw in the caveat. A, you're going to have to give a little bit of help, just like you talked about, Craig, kind of giving up some to help share some busyness so that that, so that that associate is not just getting the per diem in perpetuity that you're going to have to hire them on, right? You're going to have to get them busy. You may have to give, you may have to triage, you may have to help, you have to set them up. Right. And that's fine. Usually it's at a time when the doctor doesn't want to do restorative anymore or may not want to do as much restorative. They want to do some more implants and crown and bridge and stuff like that. So it's fun. Um, but I think it's two to four weeks. Also, when you're that busy at two to four weeks and you're slam jammed, your team has nowhere to put people, you miss a lot of at-bats. You miss a lot of opportunities from the same day dentistry thing. And that's what I'm talking about. Marvin Berlin, he opened my eyes. He said, look, you may think you're not busy enough right now to bring on an associate, but I assure you, think about all the opportunities that, that could be harvested from hygiene if you only had the time. Also, think about the fact that you think you're so busy in your head and you get overwhelmed. Think about all the diagnosis that you're just not mentioning. Right. We talked about that at the mastermind. The mastermind. Because Remember it's with almost Matt? an injustice. Matt, yeah. It's almost an injustice to you, the patient's practice. When you're like, I'm too busy. I can't recommend treatment. So I'm going to say everything looks good. Yeah, Let's we're watch we're watching this. You know you need to fix that too. Hell yeah. But you right? know if you tell them you need to fix it, you can't fit them in for two, three weeks, and they're going to be upset. So you're like, we'll watch it. So you're actually so, – yeah, I love that. So you're doing a disservice someone, to those patients. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an injustice to a whole lot of people, you, the patients, practice at, at, at scale. Um, yep. So – I think it's, I think whenever you feel solidly busy between two and four weeks, I think it's time to look at that if that's what you want to do. If you never want to bring on an associate at two to four weeks, it may be time to look at increasing fees or dropping the PPO, dropping that PPO, right? So there are titrations that you can do in your practice beyond just hiring an associate. But anyway, so sometimes I have hired associates, Greg, and then I've said, look, you may not be busy now. But you get you can do a lot of hygiene checks, and if you can if you can take an at bat and you can harvest in that, and you can make a hit, and you can enroll and talk to patients, then I promise you you will not be getting that per diem for long. But it's going to be a little bit of eat what you kill, and I think that is very healthy. I think that is super healthy because fear is a good motivator. When you are scared that you may not be able to do, you find the way. Meaning you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to stay in a per diem situation. If you're fearful that you're not going to perform then you're going to be very, very motivated to learn what are some good enrollment techniques, what are some good conversations, what's the right verbiage. You're going to be very motivated to be a better dentist because fear is a good motivator. You know, it's two motivators in Craig, I think, in life. It's fear and the avoidance of loss. 
Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think it was you that said this, Peter. I can't remember. I credit you with it, or maybe I just adopted it as my own. But, um, you know, the per diem thing, let's just say it's $600 per day. And I'm totally cool. Like, you got to belly up. You got to, everything's an investment. You know, you buy the cone beam, you buy the Cerec, you buy the Atero. It's a major outlay of capital. And it's the same thing with human capital. You got to give that per diem away just to let them know I'm investing in you as a, as you know, something new in this practice, this per diem that we're going, you know, cause what is $600 a day is how many thousand dollars per year? What is it? Uh, um, oh, four, so that's 2,400 a week, right? Um, so if is a 10,000, about $120,000 a year. Yeah. 124,000. Okay. So the first question, cause I've had this problem. Do you want to make $124,000 per year to which an associate would say, might say to you, and I've had this happen, like, holy shit, that's a ton of money. <laughs> Oh my God, that's incredible. That that That's not the right person for me in a practice like this, just because the opportunities are so large that if you want to make 124, there's probably better places for you. This is a very high performing machine. And everybody around here, like hygienists will be diagnosing, you know, not diagnosing, but recommending treatment. And the doctor would be the brakes on it. So I like to tell associates, and I, and I think it was you that said this, it's like, look, the, the per diem thing can go on for, you know, three, six months, three months. three months, because if it's six months from now and you're just making your per diem, both of us have a problem. Exactly. There's a big problem here Exactly. because if the other doctors are here, they're the litmus test for what can be accomplished. I've got doctors doing $2 million of collections. Right. That's actually written in my associate contract when it happens. Yeah. So I use that now. If you're still months, right. Three months. And why, but, but why you have but to explain the why everybody. is it's right. But that's everybody. the fact that you say why is the most important part. It's not, yeah, yeah. Hey, you have a per diem for three months. And you know, after that you're off, it's because if it's three months, you haven't started to kick it in gear. I mean, what do you need to produce to, to get to 600? 30,000. Wait, a six, oh, six, 600 a day. Yeah. So let's just use the 32. You need to produce 1875. Peter, some of our hygienists do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I've so made that I mistake. And I think that's written in, but it's also, it, it's, it's not this draconian like thing in the a contract to say like, well, if you don't do it, you're off the squad. It's more to say like, yeah, to your point, this is probably not a fit for you. Right. And like, I don't want, I don't want to be going in perpetuity when you could be finding happiness in another practice and I right. could be happier finding another associate. And I just, I just want to make sure that the listeners hearing that it's the conversation and not the, the draconian, you better do this or else it's just like, Hey, if this is really what's going on, we got a problem. You know, it's like, Hey, like having a, having a conversation with your spouse, we should really sit down and talk once per year. This is you have to get to that point. Right? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. As we talked about it in Salt Lake, the mastermind, this is an art form. This is, this is probably a skill. This podcast is probably a skill. And we're going to go through kind of all, a lot of the things and we keep opening more, more avenues. But if you master this, let me actually back up. The biggest impediment to your growth is going to be finding the right people, to, to the right team members, the right associates. Associates will drive the bus forward faster than, than probably some most team members because they are producers at a large scale. DSOs, the biggest bottleneck to growth we see corporately too is, and I talked to some of these guys and gals, is that they cannot find and retain good talent. 
some of our some of our masterminders the same way it's like we actually had a discussion in, in salt lake about like what are the, some of the tips and tactics that you use to go outside the box other than just posting an ad on zip whip i mean not zip whip uh, yeah, you know, zip recruiter or indeed zip recruiter or whatever, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. Going beyond that, what, what are you doing? And some of the ideas came up were pretty awesome. Um, but you know, I was like, wow, let me write some of these down. It was like eight, eight good ideas. But my point is, is that this whole, this whole concept, right. The, the finding the, when to hire the, the how to hire the, how to train the, um, how to keep them busy. Like this is an art form, I think. And if you can get it right, you can you can very easily grow your organization, and a lot of those associates hopefully will turn into partners or or, or uh, minority partners like they have in my instance. And and so I've gotten stronger by hiring thoroughbreds as associates that then turned into be my partners. So there's a whole there's a whole concept here that I think is worth some time. And we like I said, we may break this up into two pods because I don't want to hurry this topic along because it because it comes up a lot. And I think, Craig, if we can be very comprehensive with some of this, um, I think it'll help a lot of listeners. Agreed? 100%. Okay. 100%. So, so I'm, I'll just kind of go on to the next thing. So we've, we've established when to hire, um, and, and yours is more of a gut that aligns with your vision. Mine is more of a be, be at least this busy and have the, band, have the, the capacity in your practice from a from – a, from a well, seats or operatories to be able to do it. Yes. So Peter, let me just kind of clarify. You you asked the question very surgically. You said, when did you know the first associate? Yep. Subsequent hires have been a little bit more calculated. For example, you know, there's a metric I was talking with Patrick because Patrick is in my office today. And Patrick was saying, um, you know, at $50,000 per op per month, statistics show that you can health, you can add more team, more ops, more team. So there's certain metrics. I don't subscribe to those as much, but um, you know I'm going wait, to wait, ex- wait. Un- unpack that. I didn't understand. Did so, okay. so he was talking about like at per operatory per month. I like to think of per operatory per year, mm-hmm. um, but he had Same. it in per month. Yeah, I, I do per year, but he was doing per month. So he's basically let me translate six hundred thousand dollars per year per operatory. You can actually add that's a healthy practice that he said his data. Well, yeah. Think yeah. about that. That's a six yeah. operatory practice doing $3 million a year. Right. Like, yeah. Three, six. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I would love to have every operatory I own to be doing that, but sometimes. So not- with, with my expansion, cause I'm doing expansion, I'm adding, you know, five ops. Um, those five ops I've calculated at $500,000 per year as a pr- proposition to All the bank, just the five additional ops. Got it. So okay. in my mind, Got I'm like, it. I could do 500 more per year. So I am going to, you know, the, my building needs a facelift. There's some more chairs that could be added. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at how booked up we are, some good providers that are coming down the pipe for us. So you're telling the bank, if you allow me to add three more, five, uh, five more operatories. Or that means, that, that means 2.5. Neighborhood of 2.5 to $3 yeah. million dollars additional per year. I think Correct. that's I think that's rich. Quite honestly, I think five hundred thousand. I think that's a big. I think that's a big. Uh, I think that's a big ask of an operatory. Is all I will you, say. You do. But, I've historically yeah. always been in that range. By the yeah. way. Okay. Well, see, I've always been of the adage like, 
I wanted. I thought to, you were too, by the way, Peter. No, it was at it, it, some point, but I, but I don't want to. If you, if I had to wait for all of those, if that to be the like the metric of of wanting to expand. To, to your point, you wanted more people. I wanted more real estate. I wanted more more distribution. Right, that yeah, was my coverage. Distribute exactly because in my in my city, we and my partners, we needed to be able to divide and conquer, so to speak, because Atlanta is so disparate in terms of where you go. So I, I was willing to sacrifice maybe the efficiency of the operatory in terms of saying that, hmm, that yeah. location over there looks pretty juicy. Which is funny because in Atlanta, people won't go. So if you live in Sandy Springs, you won't go to Buckhead. If you live in Buckhead, you won't go to Highlands. Like it's, I noticed that. Yes. So imagine all the dialogue you, you had with friends like early on. Oh, Peter, I'd love to go to you, but Buckhead, bro. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, where are you? You know, but in Florida, like I pull from Miami. Miami is 50 miles away. But we'll pull from there. So it was like, okay, let me build a mega center because people would be because the traffic is just so bad here, you know. Yeah, and the congestion and, on even the surface streets is so. Yeah, bad, well, so. I think sitting for an hour in Metro Atlanta and going only going ten miles, mile, but only yeah. going four miles is really upsetting versus going and sixty miles in an hour. So it's just funny how these individual decisions that you and I faced were very relevant to us. And the the way we always say, don't hijack someone else's vision, Peter crafted it because he probably had those conversations with good friends. They're like, oh, man, I wish you were, you know, in Virginia Highlands. It's like, okay, well, geez, I've had 30 of my friends. And yeah, say that. So guess what? Guess where the next location is yeah. probably going to be. Right. Like success leaves clues. And, and, right. Or, or, you know, and, right. and that was a good, that was a good tell. Right. So, um. Yeah, we got off topic there a little bit, but I mean, on yeah, topic, distribution was was your driver right, because right. of the unique fa- facets of living in Atlanta. It's crazy traffic. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, imagine five hundred thousand. I think that I, I I guess my in closing of this this one topic where Patrick gave you that, and I, I shouldn't have said duh because you know that sounded like I was saying it to Patrick. Patrick, I was not saying it to you. I'm just saying like that is a great. God dang it! All of my operatories could. Could have five hundred thousand dollars production, like my geez. You know? I'd be curious though, in, in in like your locations. I think you're probably there in certain locations. Right yeah, there, but, but well, established locations. That's what I'm talking about. I'm a, I'm an established location. So pick out your you know your your. Yeah, I, I, we'll we'll take this one offline. But I'm gonna right, challenge. Okay. I bet you Buckhead's north of that. Okay. All right. Just saying. Um. So, so uh, that, so I want to do a model refresh, you know, it's about nine years. Everything's kind of getting for me a little stale and the way I anticipated using this building has never, it was, there's a lot of inefficiencies that really bother me. Like we never anticipated having this many doctors. So this is a chance for me to make it a more livable experience. And that matters to me because I believe that when people are in a better environment, it's more productive and efficient. Yeah, because and, when you designed your building, let me, let me interrupt you. There. I remember asking you, like, how big is your office and how much is it? 13,000 square feet? 13,000. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, geez, how many operatories did you squeeze in there? And you're like, like 18. <laughs> and I was like, you, you were like, you wanted to like choke me. I was like, dude, you could have gotten like 45 in there. I know. And, you know, or, you know, I forget what I said, but it's highly inefficient. But then when I saw it, I was like, okay, you wanted it to feel really good. Right. And so, yeah. Feels, you know, 45 foot hallways and like, it's just giant. Right. And it feels yeah. great. And that's what you wanted. And like, right. could you have been more efficient at a hundred thousand percent? And probably in this next annex, you will be, because guess what? You don't have to be because you already created that first impression as you come in the office. Right. So you can, you can jam them in now, so to speak. 
you know, you can be highly efficient. But I remember thinking, like, God dang, did he, did he, did he not know that, that that's not very efficient? But but again, uh, get, again, Peter, I was I was living in eight operatories, and I couldn't. You know, it's hard to ju- it's hard to believe in hindsight. Of course, you're right. I would have. But in, when I was going through it, there were sleepless nights. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? What am I thinking? You know, I think that there's, um, you know, about what, you know, we're both entrepreneurial and part of being an entrepreneur is being super confident and really underestimating the odds are stacked that are stacked against you. If we knew all the things that could have happened, we would have never done what we did. We were, we were, we were, fo- we were foolish in certain ways. Naivety, yeah. It's naive. You know, like, what was I thinking? I mean, like three banks rejected me, you know, they probably had to know something. I had a, I had a legal pad by my bed and I'm sure you've had similar experiences where there was like, here's my five rich friends that I'm going to borrow like a hundred or 200 each. It was like literally a legal pad. As Um, like the seed money for the down payment. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, it all worked out, but I mean, it was very much of like, I'm going to go way out on the limb to get this fruit. And I was at an age that like, you know, right before 40 or, or at 40, or like, okay, if I totally fuck this up, I could yeah. still recover. Do I have that same risk tolerance now as a 50 year old? Mm, not as much, but you, you know, know um, we underestimate all the scars we've had. Like, in, you know, it's easy. Oh, and by the way, when I was 40, I thought I could do no wrong. Like I had, if you would have sat me down and be like, Hey bro, this is, you know, $5 million. What are you doing? I would God's gift to dentistry. I was God's gift to everything then. Oh God. I was so smart. Peter punched you in the nose. Yeah, you would have, I would have, you were the same by the way, when we were, we were, we just didn't know there's a humbling. So that's why I love when people come on like, yeah, you know, zero to $1 million startup. You've been a dentist for like nine months. You know, I understand it just, it takes time to realize what you know and what you don't know. That's all Greg, I'm saying. I would just like to go back to something you said in there. And you said a curse word. And as we've shared a podcast with the Shared Practice Podcast guys, I actually looked at looking at their profile and they have this clean lyrics badge on their on their on their book. Oh no way. Yeah, and we don't yeah. get it because you drop F bombs. Oh. So I didn't mean to say that like, one. I didn't mean to say that like one. Like us to go clean. Didn't we get a bad mm, end? Didn't we? Get you know, we got a bad review about the book for curse words. So if you like curse words, go to Amazon. Well, no, 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 no. Do do you do you, Peter? When you talk to me on the phone, when I'm when re- there's real Peter and not yeah. podcast Peter, uh-huh. you uh-huh. say the do you drop f bombs? Hundred percent. Yeah, so I want real Peter and you want real Craig. If you want real Peter and real Craig, comment below for real Peter and real Craig. If you want a clean version, I don't, I guess we could do fricking. You want fricking? No, I can't do fricking. I think Dwight Fri- owns Fri- that one. Okay, Dwight frickin'. owns that one completely. Yeah. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was just kind of like, oh my oh, God, I got to tell you clean, something. Look at I woke up. I woke up last weekend and my 12 year old daughter comes downstairs and my wife and I was on a Saturday morning having coffee and she just killed us. She goes, good morning, mother fathers. <laughs> so she goes, good morning, mother father, not fathers. And if it was, she said it where I was like, Oh my God, what did she just say? She just was sm- smiling. It was so funny. Good morning, mother father. Pretty funny. She's funny. Yeah. She's All funny. right. Let's not. So I just wanted to make a little jab at Drew. Clean, clean there. Okay, I won't. Um, I won't. No, shoot, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Frickin'. It's not us. It's not us. But I was, I was proud of them have that badge because obviously you can never have a slip up. It looks like. Um, okay, so 
we've gone to when you can when to hire let's talk about uh let's talk about how to hire or how to find yeah how to find how to train and this is look we're gonna be craig i'm gonna have to text my next appointment because we were supposed to have a hard stop but this is so good i think we're in flow right now and i'm just gonna cancel the next meeting that i have yeah. because this is important stuff so um let's go right into it but i do think it will have to be two parts because we're only through about one question now um yeah, how but, to find them. But Lacey will know when to chop it. Yeah, how to find them. So go ahead. So one of the things that's been the greatest um, hack for me, and I think it's your fault again, I'm going to be I'm going to be giving you a lot of compliments. And I think the interesting thing about you, Peter, is even if it wasn't you, like me, you'll accept credit for it. So try to try to yeah. do the same thing. So did you tell me about the book, Who? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, you did. Yeah, yes. I don't. Doesn't matter if you did or not. I'm going to credit you with it. <laughs> so, I did, actually. Did you really? It doesn't matter. I'm going to give you credit for it. So there's a chapter in it, and it was like, you should always be recruiting. And you should have your team always be recruiting. So one of the things that's been super successful for me, and, and perhaps it's a, it's a quality problem because I have a larger team, so this might not be applicable for everyone. But asking your team, asking your doctors, asking your team about finding pe good people because your assistant used to work somewhere else, your hygienist worked somewhere else before you likely, and they have a network. They have a friend that's a hygienist and they might be working in corporate and the doctor may not be as happy. So reaching out to your local network is the first step in my opinion. It's been, I, I didn't start doing that till really recently and it's been tremendously helpful for us. In fact, our last four, gene, four hygiene hires um, you could combine all that for GNS, for hygiene, for GNS. Um, yeah, as you for, can't combine it. You can't okay. combine that. So the last, last four of them. Motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. We're going to quote Sage with that. But anyway, they all came from, um, from Brittany and her leadership and reaching out in the community. And in actuality, one of our new doctors that's going to be joining us in several months remains nameless um he was kind of in part sourced by one of my doctors you know because listen when we go out and reach out to people of course it's all roses and sunshine but your team of doctors can tell them how it really is you gotta be careful with that though bud you know and and i i'm gonna play devil's advocate because i Please. actually do agree with you but like there's a fine line about poaching with that right meaning you're saying hey well i you know for your hygienist, you can say, well, I didn't hire them. Brittany got to know them and hired her. But like by proxy, like she was your assassin, so to speak. Yeah, but we're very careful. So here, here's, here's what I always do. So whenever we have somebody that comes on board, I ask them the same question. Are you happy where you're at? And if they right. say yes, I never want to disrupt that ever. I'm, I'm, being, I'm always saying that. I'm like, then good. Then stay there. Yes. If they're not happy and they're leaving – I'm like, right. look, let's stop off here. You know, I don't, I would never want to take someone because listen, as, yeah. as great of a work environment, I think we have, it is not for everyone. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten to 20 associate hires over 20 years if it was flawless. There's obviously, it has to work for everyone. But what I do tell people is if you're leaving anyway, and you're definitely, you're not wanting to be there, come here for a little while because there's no, there's or no downside discussions, right? Maybe. Right. Yeah, right. I agree with you, but, but it's a lot leaving. of pressure. It's a lot of pressure for me to, I would never take someone that was happy. See, I didn't know you, you, 
We always do that, Peter. Always, always. That's good. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So so we were interviewing. So one of our reps sent over someone right now and the rep had said, hey, this person's really unhappy. So Erica met with this person and said, so what are you unhappy about? And she actually said, well, I'm actually not that unhappy. And it changed the trajectory. It changed the track. Well, what, what do you, well, what, what, you know, I just haven't been reviewed in a while. Okay, great. Let, why don't you go back to this person and do this and this and this? So we're, we're, we always start with that. If you're happy where you are, stay, you never want to break up a marriage because then you'll be the person that's, you know, if it doesn't work out perfectly, you've, you've hurt this person and the other organization. So we always start with that. Thanks for that. I think that is look like attracts like and so a lot of the best hires you know you always say this a lot of the best hires you've ever had and same with my practice has been from people we already knew yeah through through an association right it was almost like a thoroughbred hygienist hiring their thoroughbred friend so to speak or like and your, your residency program that you or have the residency yeah and so that's you know we have established we've done several residencies where we took a someone who was going into their second year GPR and, and said, why don't you, instead of doing the school one, why don't you do it at our practice? Right. And going back to your question about the per diems, like Craig, we didn't, we didn't mention this, but the per diem would be $120,000 a year in, in salary. But there were times when I bet you we didn't, didn't, didn't create that from the, the, uh, the associate or GPR resident that we brought in our, so is it actually cost the practice money. It was an investment meaning it was not an immediate ROI for the practice to have that higher, but it was a long-term play. It was a long-term investment in those people. And now, you know, both of them are either partners or, or long-term. So um, one's up in rural Georgia. Um, but anyway, it's so, so associates aren't always immediate ROIs, right? You're not going to, you're not going to pay someone $1 and immediately get back to yeah, but what investment is? It's an investment in people. Right, but people think this, Craig. They get very myopic with, well, shit, this isn't working for me. You're not making me money day one. Therefore, you suck and I don't, right? And so that's what all I'm trying to do is emphasize that, that you probably won't be the one who benefits for three to six months, minimum, minimum. Yeah, and I find that everybody that comes into your organization needs some level of grace and refinement everybody there's a training up every practice is so unique um i think it's just you have to just accept the fact that there's going to be that minimum time where you're just doing you're just kind of getting people ready learning learning the culture learning how you taught how you're watching treatment coordinators talk to how they talk to the patient you're watching some of the ogs in the practice whether that's dentist hygienist treatment coordinators business team you're absorbing like a sponge and sometimes you don't have time to be spinning the burr eight hours a day. You have to learn the big stuff because the dentistry, you know, sometimes I always say that the dentistry is the easy part and no, it's not dentistry is not easy, but it sure is, is uh, there's a lot more art to verbiage and enrollment. Yeah. By the way, let me ask you a question. Just, uh, this is not too tangential. I just want to, I just want your input on this. Would you rather, there's two associates. Would you rather have the one that can close like crazy and needs remedial help on their dentistry? Or would you rather have one that's an amazing dentist, but needs remedial help on their enrollment? I'd rather have a, me too. A. I'd rather have me the too. dentist who is a people person Right. Uh, that may need some tips and pointers on how to do better dentistry than I would 
it's always easier to take someone who is a people person or an extrovert. Or yeah, it's not even an extrovert. extrovert. This this person that I'm thinking right, of, right, it, it's just a person who closes. You're an introvert. This person's an introvert too, by the way, according to her index. I was just curious. You'd rather have that. Yeah. You'd rather yeah. be teaching dentistry than teaching enrollment is what I'm saying. Yeah, honestly, because like, look at the yeah. guys, look at the guys in my, the guys, and I'm just say guys, because it was guys I'm thinking of in my dental school class that smoked me in clinical, smoked me, had perfect hands. And I look back now and it's like, meh, super mediocre careers, super mediocre. Yeah. Right. That's and unfortunate. Well, it's just because that is the X factor is like, because people, yeah, you know, no, I know. Like a joke in dentistry, people don't know that you just have a perfect margin. So really what we're looking for is that trifecta we always talk about. Yeah. Good hands, good diagnosis, yeah. and good rapport. And 100%. if you're missing one, you, you well, don't do great. well. That is the ingredients to the thoroughbred. That is the thoroughbred right there. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, by the way, if you're going to Hinman, Craig, you are not going, but there will be a Bulletproof podcast booth. It'll just be little old me. No, that's not true. It's Brittany and Charissa too. All right. Aren't they coming to Hinman? But I mean, right. But they may not know Brittany and Charissa. So the Bulletproof team will be there. Come by, say hi. Who knows? Maybe I'll even bring you on as a cameo in in a a podcast direct from Hinman. But Hinman wants us to do podcasting from Hinman to bring some energy in the group. So if you're coming, give the BP team a shout. Okay. And also, obviously, as we always said, with uh, don't forget about the the summit that's going to happen in Nash Vegas in June 3rd and 4th. Tickets are selling out. Rooms are selling out. Don't get in that predicament of saying there's no more rooms because they don't give you as many room blocks as we want. I think we have a couple hundred and I think, I mean, yeah, I think we have about 200 rooms and I think they're pretty much gone. Yeah. Don't delay people. Don't don't delay delay until May because you will be staying at not, you'll be staying at not that hotel. And um, it's such a pain. Everybody's Airbnb. And pain. also don't, we're, we're limiting. We, we do have a hard uh, room size that we cannot exceed. So uh, for those that call at the 11th hour, um, it's just, it is what it is. Don't delay. Get your tickets today. Do it, do it, do it. All right, brother. Happy Monday right, to you. We'll see Happy you soon. Happy Monday back. See you soon. All right, everybody. Take care. Take care.